Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 35. says this. The Paul the Apostle is, is speaking here. For those of you guys who may be new to this experience, Paul the Apostle was a guy who was a religious dude and uh, had a radical encounter with the risen Savior with Jesus, and his life was never the same. Matter of fact, this guy was really uh, had his heart set on killing and persecuting Christians, and then he had this incredible encounter with Jesus, and his life was never the same. God went on to use him to write two-thirds of the New Testament, and he became one of the greatest catalysts for the gospel. So that's who's speaking. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and Paul the Apostle says, he says, And I have been a constant example of how, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And he goes on to quote the Lord Jesus. And he says that it is more blessed to give than receive. It is more blessed to give than receive. I want to speak to you today from the subject of it is more blessed to give then receive. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for our time together. And Lord, I thank you for all of those who are visiting us for the very first time. God, I pray that um, we would all encounter you in a real way. Uh, that as we simply open up your word, that you would do what only you can do, Lord. That you would touch our hearts. That you would um, give us, the Lord, a spirit of wisdom and understanding as we dive in together. And God, we just thank you for your great grace on our life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, it was about 2008, and this particular gentleman was getting ready to have one of the most incredible moments of his life as three of the biggest drug dealers in the city refused to sell him crack cocaine. Now, they refused to sell him crack cocaine because he had been up for about 19 days with little to no sleep. So it was a little bit ironic that these three drug dealers got together one of the most notorious ones in, in Minnesota, and decided not to sell this guy any crack. But on top of that, they decided to plan an intervention. <laughs> True story. And, and one of them was so committed, he said, I'm going to babysit this guy until he actually goes to sleep. Now, it's easy when you hear a story like that. We think of a number. We think of a statistic. We think of, you know, okay, a drug addict who's struggling. But remember, behind every stat and behind every number, there's a name. There's a person. There's a soul. That's why I, I, I love to, uh, when people tell me, well, Pastor Matt, you don't want to be all about the numbers. I said, oh, yes, I do want to be about the numbers. Not just so people can sit in seats, but because every number is attached to a soul. And, and this particular person that I'm talking about, Many of you guys actually know his name. In fact, he's helped some of you sleep better at night. Let me show you a picture of him. Shout out to Mr. Pillow, Mike Lindell. So incredible because as a series of, the, of these events, he ends up realizing that if he keeps going down this road that he's going to die. And so he has a moment where he gets on his knees and he cries out to God. And this isn't everybody's story, but this is, this is his story. 
For many people it's a process, but for him it was instant as he asked the Lord to deliver him and to take all the desire out of his body for crack cocaine. And in that moment, um, God instantly took that desire away from him and his business went, started to flourish shortly after. Now it's a multi-million dollar company that invests um, every single month into uh, faith-based Christian organizations that help people with addiction. Incredible, right? I mean, who would ever have thought the pillow guy? Like, I'm getting ready to buy one of his pillows. Like, seriously, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm getting ready to be 38 and this, this, uh, this SI joint, I got to, like, balance my feet and it's, okay. Uh, so, so as incredible as the story of redemption is, because I think all of us, we love the story. We love a story of redemption. You love the story of redemption because God has put eternity in your heart. And the greatest story ever told is a story of redemption, the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And that's why every single movie that you watch in the theaters has to do with redemption. Like we pay the same amount of money every single month to go see a movie that has the same storyline, just different characters. Because we love redemption. We're wired to, to love the greatest story of all time, the good news of Jesus. However, what really intrigues me about this story is not only the redemption, but the people that he used in the process. Like how in the world are three drug dealers who, probably, who supported his habit now want to intervene on his habit and get a plan? I thought that's pretty ironic. Would you guys agree? But then it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks as I was studying this for this message this week. Is I think it's even more ironic that a follower of Jesus who professes the name of Christ has the, the ability to, to walk past people who are dying spiritually, relationally, emotionally, some even physically, and have no plan to intervene. That was like a ton of bricks, huh? Um, and, and it started to, to really kind of weigh on me as I was prepping for this. And I know it's probably not the most popular message, but as your pastor, I'm committed to, to preaching you the whole Bible. I'm not going to take shortcuts because I don't think the gospel needs improvement. And I think you guys can handle the truth. And so I, I, uh, as, as I was wrestling through this, I thought, man, my, my goal isn't to point fingers at anybody like, hey, who have you helped this week? Um, but actually, I, I'm guilty of that as your pastor of having moments where I've had opportunities to help serve or to, to, to bring the good news of Jesus to somebody. And I missed that opportunity. I, I told you recently uh, I was on my way to the airport to pick up a friend of mine. And I stopped at Starbucks because I want to be on time to the airport and I want to have coffee for my friend. Are you with me? That's a good friend. And, uh, and as I stopped at the Starbucks, there was a gentleman outside, potentially homeless. And I really sensed the Lord unction my heart to go and tell him about Jesus. And I'm a pastor. That's what we're supposed to do, right? But not this pastor. I said, no, I'm on a time schedule. Like, I don't want to be the guy that's late. So I, I told you the story before. If you guys weren't here, I'm going to kind of recap for you. So I end up uh, bypassing this guy because I didn't want to miss my moment to be on time. So sure enough, I got there on time. Starbucks, woohoo, superhero. But I was lacking joy in that moment. I was lacking a fulfillment. And the funny part is my friend would have totally understood. He would have gave me a high five. If I told him, hey, dude, I stopped, I had to talk to somebody about Jesus, he wasn't going to be like, really? I can't believe you're late. Um, <laughs> he would have been totally cool with that. But, but I, as I started to think deep, deeper, 
The big part of it was I wanted to save face. I, I don't want to be the guy that's late to the airport, right? I, I want to be the one that's on time, that's responsible, that... And I left with this lack of joy and this lack of fulfillment. So as I was preparing for this message, I started to, to muse on that event again. And I really sensed the Lord whisper to me. Now, remember what I told you last week. Whenever I say God speaks to me, the number one way God is going to speak to you is through his word. And I know it can sound very mysterious. Like, how does God speak to you? Does he say, Matt, this is what I want you to do, bro. He doesn't. That's not what I'm talking about. But as you study God's word and you get God's word on the inside of you, Man, the spirit of God as a follower of Jesus also dwells on the inside of you and you start to recognize his voice. And God is so powerful, he knows your number. He can speak to you without saying a word. You just know like, okay, um, I need to, to listen. And what I felt the Lord whisper to me in this moment as I was going over this, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. And it's this. It's that our greatest moments will consist of helping others not miss their moments. That our greatest moments will consist of helping others not miss their moment. Because I, I, as, I was, as I was meditating on all of this, I thought, man, I got what I wanted. I didn't miss it. And in all reality, I was on time and I had a Starbucks. But he didn't pat me on the back. I patted my own self on the back, right? I, I, I got what I wanted. I, I, I didn't miss that opportunity. But it was funny because as soon as the Lord, as soon as I, I sensed the Lord saying our greatest moments will consist of helping others not miss their moments, he took me right back to this, uh, I started to recall this passage out of Acts chapter 20 verse 35, that it's more blessed to give than receive. Now, now here's the deal, All, none of us would argue with that because it sounds right. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus today, it sounds like the right thing, right? It's, it's better to give then receive, we all should be giving, right? We get that. But it's hard to live that. And sometimes it's hard to actually believe that because there's this paradigm where, there's this paradigm in our hearts and our minds that we think our moment is going to consist of receiving something. I think about this. When I tell you, you don't want to miss your moment. When I tell you that, the, when we hear those words, many times we're thinking about I don't, want to miss the, I don't want to miss my moment. We're thinking about something we're going to receive. That our moment just has to do with us. And, and check this out. Lean into this. And what I sense the Lord saying was, when it comes to our moments, we may, when it comes to not missing our moments, we may think and we may believe that it's about us receiving something. But God said, nope, your greatest moments are going to be when you're releasing something. I thought, man, Lord, how do, we, how do we live like that? And I thought, man, if I could go back to that moment, I would have gladly received the pat on the back that I gave myself for being on time. And I'm not, like, burdened over this. It was a learning experience. I'm not like, gosh, forgive me, right? It was a learning experience. But, man, if I could go back to that moment, I would much rather trade that pat on the back to release the good news of Jesus in this man's life. Now, now, here's the deal. God doesn't need me. God can use somebody else to speak to this man. The difficulty is I miss my moment. Because our greatest moments will consist when we're helping others not miss their moment. Now, anytime we, we talk about sharing our faith with somebody or we talk about bringing the good news of Jesus to someone or telling them about Jesus, it can be a little intimidating, right? Right? Some of you guys are already sweating. I haven't even started. 
it can be a little bit intimidating, and, and it, we can feel kind of uncomfortable. And I think as a result of it being a little bit intimidated, I'm not sure really how to share my faith. I'm not really sure how it goes. Like, I don't want to be that weird person. Um, and because we, we're a little bit intimidated sometimes by it, and because we, we maybe don't really understand how we're supposed to share our faith, and, and it's kind of a mystery, and it's a little bit nerve-wracking for us, what we tend to do a lot of times is we just ignore it. We just, we're not going to talk about that. I just want to go to church because I want to receive something. But when it comes to, to, to being a blessing, when it comes to, to sharing the gospel, to sharing the good news of Jesus with people, as you look from Old Testament to New Testament, as much as we'd like to ignore it, we can't get away from it. Because from, from the very beginning, God has, uh, I mean, we, we look uh, all the way from the very beginning, God has blessed us. Why? He told Abraham, I have blessed you so that you can be a blessing. I have blessed you. I have given to you so that you can go and so that you can pour out. We can't get away from this. Now, some of you right now, you're already disappointed. You're like, I came to church for something for me today. And you're going to talk about reaching other people? Like, come on. Like, I needed something today. And I, I want you to lean in because this message is for you. Because, listen, some of us are missing our greatest moments because we think our moments are all about us. And God is saying, no, 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 you still think it's about receiving, but it's really about releasing. And our greatest moments will consist not when it's something for us, but when we're helping others not miss their moment. We can't get away from this reality. Now, when you look at Jesus when he was building his team, right, he was putting his disciples together. Don't put that passage up yet, Steph, but I, I, I want to I take you to Mark chapter 1, verse 17. And as Jesus was putting his, his team together, he said, hey, guys, if you follow me, I'm going to make you something. Now, if you didn't know the end of the story, many of you guys do. Some of you guys may not. If Jesus says, if you follow me, I'm going to make you something, we probably would have thought something like, well, he's going to make me more spiritual. Maybe he'll make me more religious. Lord, help us. Right? Maybe he's going to make me more kind or, or more nice or... Maybe he's going to give me a good preacher's voice. I don't have one. Uh, maybe, maybe he's, gonna, he's going to make me a little bit smarter, but, but that's not what Jesus said. Mark chapter 1, verse 17, look what Jesus said. He said it this way. He said, and Jesus said to them, listen, follow me. If you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of men. Now, some of you guys hate fishing. This is, this is the language and the, and the culture of the day. Jesus was relating to them because he wasn't so removed from culture that he couldn't identify with people. Like a lot of people think that he, he's kind of like this, this weird guy that kind of floats around. And no, he was very much on the ground. He was in real life with real people. And, uh, and so he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So don't get distracted by the fisher. If you don't like fishing, I totally understand. I love fishing. So I'm really excited about um, what he's talking about right now. But he said, I will make you fishers of men. Now, even the thought of that for some of you, right away, you get that, ugh. Like, that's good for the pastors. They can share their faith. That's good for, like, you know, the, the holy, holy people. They can share their faith. But Jesus is saying, no, no, no. If, if you're a follower, you're to fish. Because that's what followers do. Followers, they fish. 
But I, I think the thing that scares us the most is some, some myths and some, some wives' tales that we've kind of believed when it comes to sharing the gospel, when it comes to telling people about the good news of Jesus. Because let's be honest, uh, the, the biblical word for, for sharing your faith, we could use the word evangelist, right? Somebody who's proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And there's a whole theology behind that. I, I don't have time to teach you today, but... But when you think of evangelists, what do you think of? Like, 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 like some of you right now, you think of the guy with the sign, right? Turn or burn, baby. <laughs> Repent, God hates you, right? <laughs> Probably not a good approach in our culture. Uh, so, some of us, we think of maybe the religious prude that's disconnected from reality. You know, just kind of a person that's kind of suited and booted. And maybe they have an accent and it's just like, let me tell you about Jesus, and let me help you understand the mysteries of God. And maybe, maybe you think, and, and you just feel like, oh, that's, that's just not it. I, I can't identify with that. And then I think some of us, we think of a preacher. We think of maybe, maybe when you think of evangelists, it depends on how old you are. You may think of like a white suit, right, saying, give me your money. It's better to give than receive. Some of you first time, you're like, I knew he was going to talk about money. I'm not even talking about money today. <laughs> but you may have this picture in your mind of these, these kind of televangelists, um, which not all of them are shady. I promise you that. But, yes, yeah, some are. And so, but we have these misconceptions in our mind that, that this is the majority. But, but let me, I'm hoping to dispel some of that in this very moment is I want you to ask the question. I want you to ask this question. Answer this question, who is the most responsible for you being here today? Is it some weird person? Some of you guys are like, well, that's kind of relative. <laughs> Husbands, be careful. Right, like, like uh, the, the reason I'm here today is because I, my mom. My mom who loves me desperately, most compassionate, caring, loving woman, that I know outside of my wife. Hello, somebody. <laughs> and my mom invited me to church one day when I was in the worst of the worst place in time. Now, when I think about my mom, I don't think she's like this raz radical, crazy, you know, weird person. No, she loves me. She cares about me and wants to see God's very best for me in my life. And so, like, like, you're sitting next to somebody today that might be responsible. It's probably a friend. You're here because they're your friend because you like hanging out with them. Some of you might have been dragged here by a, a relative. All right, point taken, tooth and nail. Like, you're just like, fine, I'm going to humor you. I'm going to come to church one time. I totally get it. I used, to, I, I used to be there. But I think we can find some level ground that regardless, you're here because of somebody that loves you, that cares about you, that just simply wants to see God's best in your life. Whether you agree with that or not, they're not the person with the sign, they're not the religious prude, and they're not the best preacher. And so I'm hoping just to kind of dispel some of those myths because we have this in our mind that, you know, somebody telling people about Jesus is this, this, this fanatic, judgmental, weird not able to relate with culture type of a person. And that's just not reality. And then I think it, it kind of makes us nervous because we're like, well, I don't even know what to say. So even if I was going to share my faith with somebody, like, what, how would I even approach that? I love what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says. Look at this with me. 
It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. How many of you guys are grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, I have no clue who the Holy Spirit is. Don't worry, just relax and enjoy. You'll find out along the journey. He says, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said we'll be his witnesses. Now, uh, I recently got a cell phone ticket. Anybody got one of those? Yeah, so you're like, oh, pastor, really, breaking the law. Don't judge me, all right? I'm more concerned now as I have to make sure I pay it or I will be in a Bay Area courtroom. I've been in plenty of those. So let me, let me tell you what they look like. Uh, if you're on trial, you're, you're, you're going to step into a Bay Area courtroom and you're going to see a judge. You're going to see uh, a district attorney or a prosecutor. You're going to see um, a defense attorney or a public defender. Uh, you're going to have, you know, the plaintiff and you're going to have maybe a jury. And then you're going to have this person that's a witness. Now, a lot of times when we think about sharing our faith, Sometimes we can get confused that God has not called us to be the judge. Like, like we're not sit there to rule people like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. You better get it together. What? God hasn't called us to be the prosecutor. God has called us to be the witness. A witness. And what does a witness do? Well, in the court of law, a witness does a few things. They testify to the truth that they know to what they've seen, to what they've heard, and to what they've experienced. That's what a witness does. Like, like really think about, back up for a minute, just, just think about that. <laughs> it was so funny growing up for me, a witness, like you didn't want to be a witness. Because if you get caught in the street and you were a witness, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. But then, I, I, then Jesus rescues my soul and all of a sudden it's like, I'm called, that's what I'm called to be. I'm called to be a witness for the truth that I know, for the truth that I've seen, for the truth that I've heard, and the truth that I've experienced. Now, a witness is simply sharing their story. They're sharing their story out of those truths of their experience that they know, that they've seen, that they've heard, and that they have experienced. Now, a witness doesn't need to be a theologian. Now, I, 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 listen, some of you guys, you may not be a theologian, but I'm hoping that if you sit and you hang out with us long enough, I want you to be a theologian. Because I, I don't want you to simply be a Christian because maybe you had some good feelings during, uh, during worship. I want you to be a Christian because you know what you believe and why you believe it. I want you to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. But let's say maybe you're not there yet, and that's okay. You have a story. You have a story to tell. And so, so like, get, get this picture in your mind. Um, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to, like, like when people are, are drowning, they're not like, hey, give me the Greek word for raft. They're like, no, can you just throw me one? That would be great. Right? We, it's not like we have to have all these T's crossed, the Greek, the Hebrew, all that stuff down. Just, hey, it would be great to throw them a raft. And one of those rafts could be your story. And then, you know, as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, then you'll be able to, to approach people and say, yes, listen, let me tell you what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've experienced. But let me tell you why I'm a Christian. I'm not a Christian because somebody told me it was the right way. I'm not a Christian um, simply uh, because my parents grew up going to church. I'm not a Christian just because I experienced something. I'm a Christian because it's truth. Oh, well, that truth is relative. It's based on what, you know, it's true for you, but it's not really true for me. No, 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 I'm saying it's based on truth for everybody. Well, how can you even say that? Well, let me tell you about the resurrection 
If the resurrection is true, then all of this is true. And the evidence, that the tangible evidence historically, uh, and we could go down the line, historically, uh, from a history standpoint, from a, a, a historicity standpoint, in regards to the textual, con- uh, the textual uh, manuscripts, into the eyewitness accounts, I mean, we can go down the list. The evidence for the resurrection far outweigh the evidence against it. So if you were to ask me today, why are you a Christian? I'm not a Christian because I felt some things or because, you know, I just kind of grew up this way or because I'm kind of this basing my, my faith on something that's blind. No, I'm basing my faith on the fact that it's truth backed up by evidence. See, God will ask you to do some things that are blind faith, but that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is not a blind faith. It's a very logical faith. So anyways, when you get to that point, um, you're able to to walk people through. But until then, listen, you have a story. And you know what you're going to find is that people are going to be really receptive. And some people are going to be hostile. Let me give you this picture. Gallup did a poll a couple years back. 65 million people in America will not step foot in a church today. That's not not staggering. You want to know what's staggering? Is that 34 million of those people would come to church if they had an invite. If they just had an invite. Why? Because people are hungry. Because you and I were created in the image of God. And one of the things that I know that I can bank on is that God has placed eternity on the hearts, in the hearts of every person. Everybody knows that there's got to be more to life than this. Nobody sits at a funeral and says, yep, that's it. I don't care if you come from an atheist background different philosophical backgrounds, religious backgrounds, I know that in that brevity, as you're looking at a child in the casket, as you're looking at maybe something that's maybe a little bit out of the normal than Ambie, who's like 90 years old, um, who's lived a long time, when you're looking at a child in the casket and you're looking in your seat, you're feeling the fracture of the universe and inside your heart and your mind and in your soul, you're saying there has got to be more to life than this. This cannot be the end. People are hungry. People are willing, just, in, just invite me. But, but here, here's, here's a step further. Number one, on the same poll of Gallup, teenagers, the number one thing that they're interested in. Listen, it's not social media. It's not entertainment. It's spiritual things. They have spiritual questions. Like they're hungry. Like Because in every heart, they, they, there's, it's screaming, there's got to be more than this. And so, so bottom line is this. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus today, then... Man, you were made to fish. This, this is why God created you. You were made to fish. If you follow Jesus, you're going to fish. That, that's just kind of the natural flow of things. Are you tracking with that? You know, in, in the book of Acts, as, as we're looking at this passage, this word witness later came to mean one that would give their life for the truth. Because so many people were being martyred for the name of Jesus And one of the famous church fathers, I'm going to take you a little bit deep and then we're going to come up and breathe, all right? One of the famous church fathers, Churchillian, he said that the blood of the martyrs became the seed of the church. Meaning as these people were dying, the church was exploding. And it wasn't because people were like, yeah, I'm so excited to die. It's because they were dying with so much joy, so much gratitude, forgiving their captors. I mean, it was just... People were like, if that, if, if you can have that joy there, then please, I want some of that. And so, and so when, when we look at this, this is just what we were created to do in the early church, following Jesus and fishing. <laughs> it wasn't like, it wasn't abstract. 
People were like, no, we can't wait to tell people about the good news and the grace that we receive. We can't help but to tell everybody else. We can't stop talking about what he's done for us. And some of you guys have experienced that grace, and you know exactly what it feels like. That pillow guy, listen, he's not sleeping because he has a great pillow. He's sleeping now because he's got great grace. That's a whole different, that's a whole different deal. Are you tracking? So, so what, what, do we, what, do we, what do we do? What do we do? Well, I, I love what, what 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, look what it says. It says that you should keep a clear mind in every situation, and don't be afraid for suffering for the Lord. Because a lot of times we can get afraid... We may not lose our lives in America, but it's getting pretty hostile, right? Like if you're a follower of Jesus, it's like you can be labeled a lot of different names. But look at this. Don't be afraid of that. But rather work at telling others the good news. Work at it. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, you may not be that good. That's all right. Step out. Keep working at it and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. Some people ask me, Pastor Matt, I'm still trying to figure out my calling. Still trying to figure out what God wants to do with my life. (laughs) Fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. Listen, you may not know what to do next, but but, but here's the reality is that we're all called to tell people the good news. Why would we not want to tell people the good news of salvation, of redemption? Why would we want to hold that back? So let me just give you a few tips. Now, I know some of you are are still wrestling with that, like, man, I I wanted something for me today, and you're talking about other people. Remember, your greatest moment, the greatest moments you'll miss, they're not going to be about you. Greatest moments missed will consist when you are helping others not miss their moment. Uh, first, first, First tip, so what do we do? How do we put all this, how does this work on Monday? Number one, I just need you to be mindful. Just be mindful. And I need you to be mindful of two things. Number one is be mindful that it's our responsibility as followers of Jesus. Listen, if you're not following Jesus today, you get a pass. But this should be an overflow of our life. Like, I, I, I can't help, like, I don't do this. Like, I, I, could, I could do a lot of other things than pastor. But if you guys would only know the degree of which this good news has radically transformed my life and how God has taken all the junk out of my heart, made a, mess, made a masterpiece out of my mess, and you'd want to shout it from the rooftops too. You say, well, I'm not that messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> be mindful. He says this. Be, be mindful. So we got we to understand that, that we just have to be mindful. It's our responsibility. And listen, be mindful of people. Like if I told you today, hey, there's a Honda Civic out, outside going to be passing by. It's got a million bucks in there for you. If you can find it, it's yours. You are going to start seeing Honda Civics everywhere. You're going to look like there's a Honda Civic. There's a Honda Civic. Like if you, if you know what you're looking for, you'll see them everywhere. You guys have experienced this. You're looking for a car, and all of a sudden you're like, man, everybody has this car. <laughs> no, everybody's always had that car. You're just mindful of it, Right. And, and so just be mindful that, man, it's our responsibility. Now, um, <laughs> now let, me, let me share with you a quick passage. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15 says this. We're going through the Bible today, ladies and gentlemen. So if you thought we were a church that doesn't open our Bibles, this ain't the church for you. All right. Um, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? Who is, who, who is they? People that are far from God. 
People are living with broken marriages, wayward kids, trying to figure out life, struggling financially, maybe wrestling with an illness or a disease. It's just people that we pass by every day. And it's not like it's us and them. Many of us are struggling in those areas. And it says, how can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they, ha- they have not heard? Continue. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless somebody on a Sunday morning preaches a message that says we are called and we are sent to go into the world? You guys didn't think that was funny? That was messed up. Uh, <laughs> to preach unless they, how would anybody know unless they know we're sent? How, that's why I'm preaching this this morning. It's because how are people going to know? God does not have a plan B. We are God's plan A, and I'll prove it to you. Um, or let me, let me finish the passage. Romans uh, 10, verses 15, look what it says. And it says, as it is written, and he quotes the Old Testament, bless you, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Meaning this, you have not lived until, man, you're making an eternal difference in somebody's life. Like, there's nothing like it in the world. Like, we had a lady come uh, probably not, not too long ago. We've had multiple people that haven't been in church in a long time. And we see people that, some people have never come to church at all, and they have this idea of what church is like, then they step in here, they're like, whoa, I don't know what to do with this thing, right? But over a period of time, God begins to work in their heart. And, uh, and we've seen so many people come to Jesus and, and we leave all the time. We celebrate with our teams. Um, we're, we're, we, we get together and we huddle and we just we celebrate because, listen, man, we can have some horrible days. But, man, when somebody trusts Jesus for the very first time, we walk away like, like we could do this for the rest of our life. We just got to remember that's why we're here. Through all the thick, through all the thin, through all the, the difficulty, through all the, that's why we're here. And it's, it's, like, it's like golf. If you golf, like I, I'm not a good golfer, but I hit thousands of bad shots. And I want to quit every single time I play. But then I'll hit one good shot, and I'm like, I think I could do this again. I think I could do it again. So you haven't started to live until, but, but you haven't started to live until you're making an eternal difference. And, and Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians that we are God's plan A. God does not have a plan B. To reach people. Paul says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Like, I don't know about you, but I wasn't the best sports player growing up. I could do all the other stuff. Skateboard, no problem. I still ride skateboards today. I stroller skate um, with my kids now. I'll just ride my skateboard and I'll have the stroller and I'll go. And, but I wasn't, I wasn't the greatest athlete. So when it was time to get picked, you guys know you're up against the fence. And it's like, yeah, we want you. We want you. We have to pick Matt. (laughs) Baseball, listen, baseball, I was put in the worst positions. And I'm not going to say what position that was because you might play that position. But I was put in, you know, the ones where you're picking flowers and looking at bumblebees. (laughs) That, that That was my spot. But God says, I want you a part of my team. And so, so it's not like I have to, oh, great, thousand doors I got to knock on today. Like, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're not trying to earn merit or favor with God by sharing our faith. We're simply sharing from an overflow of what God has already done in our life. 
We're serving from a place of acceptance, not trying to earn his acceptance. That's not what, that's not what, that's not what he's saying. But he says God makes his appeal through us. So the second thing I need you to be mindful of is the process of where people are at. And I think this might help you because sometimes we think, well, if I share my faith, what if nothing happens? Then nothing happens. Like you can't transform anybody's heart. If you, you know, like husbands and wife, you get this, right? Because you've tried. I'm going to change him. I'm going to change her. It doesn't work. You can't change anybody's heart. Some of you guys change the heart of, you guys have tried to change the hearts of your kids. It doesn't work. But what you can do is you can plant and you can water. See, sometimes we just don't understand the process of, of, of really how to reach people. We think we got we to seal the deal every time. Like, you better give your life to Jesus. Get away from me. But Paul gives us the, the, the outline so clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Look what he says. He says, listen, my work was to plant the seed in your hearts. And Apollos' work, a guy by the name of Apollos, his, work, his job was to water it. But it was God that made it grow in the hearts of people. Like one of the biggest stress relievers that I have as I step up to this platform is I know that I cannot change your heart. I am not God. Do you know how much of a relief that is? Like, hey, God, that's your job. I'm just going to plant, and, and I'm going to do my best to water and, and rightly divide God's word so there's not a, a lot of distortion, so it's clearly presented. And, and, but God has to make it grow. And so I, I want to give you an understanding of where people are at in this process because many people, they start off, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. It's a scale by, the, by a guy by the name of Engel. He put together a scale just to kind of chart someone's, like, journey. Um, of growing with Jesus. And the first one is many times people start off very resistant to the gospel. It's so funny. Every, when I go to places and I let people know I'm a pastor, it's the most awkward moment of our entire time together. Whether I'm going to do a wedding or I'm going to, you know, I'm doing something that I'm planted in a venue where, you know, people are just not ready for that. And so the, it, it, this is what it looks like. Hey, how you doing? Oh, you know, small talk. Like they think I'm normal, right? And then all of a sudden I drop it. Yeah, I'm a pastor. Sorry I cussed. You know what I mean? It's like, no, don't leave. It's true. But all of a sudden then we start conversating and they're like, you're normal. Like where's your robe? And you have kids. Is that even legal? <laughs> and so, so a lot of times people, they start off resistant. And all of a sudden, man, you're just connecting with them a little bit. And then all of a sudden, they start to become a little bit more receptive. But some people stay resistant for a long time. My mom prayed for my grandmother for 35 years. I led my grandmother to Jesus two years before she died. Hard for a long time, resistant. But my mom's just planting and watering, just planting, not being the obnoxious, you better try it. Mom, just love you, mom, serve you. Uh, then people start to be a little bit receptive. And this could be by various of circumstances. But a lot of times in my engagements with people, hey, we'll go out to dinner for like a wedding rehearsal or something. And, and we're, we're talking and we're shooting the breeze. And, and it's like, wow, you're not only like normal, you're actually like kind of fun to be around. Like, I gotta, this is what I got to work with, ladies and gentlemen. Like, the moment, I, I'd rather not even say I'm a pastor sometimes. 
But then people start being receptive, and then after, you know, they're a little bit more receptive, then all of a sudden they start to seek. And so it's like, well, tell me, how did you become a pastor? Tell me your story. And then I, I don't give them the Greek and the Hebrew. I just tell them my story. I don't have, I don't have any Bible college, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I didn't graduate at the top of my class. I, that's not my story. I graduated from continuation. That's my story. I, I tell them I got a Ph.D. I got a pretty heavy diploma. And I read a lot. But then it's like, okay, they're, they're, they're kind of, they're seeking. And then after that, then they start considering. They're like, well, if God could do that for you, they start to look at their life. And can I just tell you, I'm so confident. This is one of my favorite stages to engage people in. Because life without God, there's, they're going to hit a moment of emptiness. When everything runs out, it doesn't work. Life without God, ladies and gentlemen, you can function, but you will never thrive. And there's always a longing that I know, like, the car wasn't enough, like, the house was And you know what? You're making me miserable. We start to depend on our relationships for our uttermost happiness, and none of those things can ever fulfill that place. And so people start to consider, and they're like, well, like, what if God would do this for me? Now, it's so funny because the Holy Spirit can take someone from, like, zero to 100 like that. I had a lady I did a funeral for, not for her, but for, uh, <laughs> I did a funeral um, for a member of her family, and she was wanting nothing to do with God, church. Um, she had been resistant for 30 plus years. So I did the funeral, and all of a sudden, she, she you know, she's going through some stuff in life, and all of a sudden, it went from resistant all the way to the next one, which is understanding. I, I preached a simple message, and she said, man, something, something is different. Something is like, I'm going to come check out your church. And you know how a lot of people say that. Well, a lot of people don't come, but she came. She came because after you start to understand a little bit that we're not talking about religion. We're talking about relationship. Religion says I have to. Relationship says I want to. That's what we're talking about. We're not, we're not trying to make you more religious. We want you to fall in love and be in an intimate relationship with God. That's something completely different. A lot of times people are, they think of, again, they have this false picture of what Christianity really is. And, and so at that point, she, she was ready. She was ready. And that, that's kind of the next phase. They go from considering to understanding to ready. She came to church. And she surrendered her life to Jesus that day, which kind of is the next step is, man, new life in Christ. And, and, she, and so from that point, I put together a couple of the other steps because some of you may be in this point right now. You gave your life to Christ, but there's a couple of next steps that I just want to show you in the scale, and, and I'm going to wrap up in just a moment. And so, so then it, it was like new life in Christ. Okay, I, man, God has forgiven me. I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Man, something has happened in my life. This is crazy. And then the next step is belonging. She's like, well, I'm coming back. Great. And you got to get plugged into a Bible teaching church. It doesn't have to be this church. It just needs to be a Bible teaching church. And then she took it a step further and she got involved in a small group. And that's why we're so passionate about small groups. That's why we don't do a thousand things here. Because we want to focus on, on what's really most important. And then she started growing. And that's kind of the next phase. You just start growing. Today after this service, we have step three of our growth track. It's so much fun. It's called step three. It's, it's discovery. And, and, and what happens at step three is we simply want to help you discover how God has wired you. Meaning what are your passions? 
what are your spiritual gifts? A personality profile. You're going to take a bunch of tests, right? It's like, oh, but it's the funnest time. Like, tests and fun, I promise. But it's like, because we believe that your purpose is connected to your design. And it, it, we, we want to help you grow. But, but in this growing phase, you're starting to grow more about Jesus. You're starting to learn more about him. You're starting to understand God's plan for your life. And it's like, all of a sudden, you're like, you just start tripping out. I remember when I, when I first surrendered my life to Jesus, I looked at a tree and I was like blown away. Right, this is where it's kind of weird. I looked at a tree like, does anybody see this? This is amazing, right? It's just because you, you, I don't know, it was just like a tree and how it starts from a seedling and just, it was just like God opens up your eyes to so many simple things. This is crazy. Um, and, then, and then all of a sudden she started to serve. And that's kind of the next phase. This phase is awesome because in the serving phase, you're experiencing some of your greatest moments because you're helping others not miss their moments. And some of our growth will be completely stagnant until we actually get in the game. And we experience what it's like for God to use you. Oh, man, there's nothing like it in the world. And then lastly, she started sharing and her whole, and started bringing her family. And family started seeing a change in her, like, what has happened to my mom? And, you know, her kids moved away and her son's still here is with this other church. And it's just amazing. And then what happens is that, just now she's reaching out to people who are resistant and struggling. So I just want, I, I'm hoping that this just helps you to say, hey, just plant and water. Don't try to force people to just plant water. Let God do the work. You just plant and water. Uh, second thing is be prayerful. Lastly, that was the longest point. So if you're a first-time guest, you're like, oh, you got two more points. Um, be prayerful. Be prayerful. Let me read a passage to you. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now, this is the church. Remember, they're experiencing extreme persecution for their faith, for sharing the gospel. And he said, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I think that's so amazing because they didn't shrink back in the midst of hardship. Why? Because they could not deny what they have seen, what they have heard, and what they've experienced in the good news of Jesus. And, and so they said, Lord, would you give us great boldness? And I started to ask myself, when's the last time that we've prayed this prayer? Lord, help us to speak your word with great boldness. Now, when people hear boldness, you think of the sign guy again, right? Turn! You know, on the street corners, messing up everybody's lunch. That's not what boldness is. That's safe. Let me tell you why that's safe. Because those people are going to be on the street corner and they're not going to get arrested. Because it's against the law to arrest them. And they're, they're propagating to a bunch of people, they're never going to look in the eye ever again. That's super safe. That's not bold. Bold is when the introvert who struggles with conversation says, I'm not going to let this moment pass. I'm going to talk to them. That's boldness. Boldness is watching my mom pray for her mom for 35 years with no results. That's boldness. Boldness is we baptized a young lady not too long ago. None of her family showed up. Because they, they said, we want nothing to do with you and Jesus. And she said, I don't care. I'm going to proclaim his name because God has transformed my life. That's boldness. Are you guys tracking with that? Boldness isn't loud and obnoxious. Boldness is sitting down with a family member that you know is going to think you are crazy. But wanting to have an honest conversation with them about what God is doing in your life, that's boldness. 
not some obnoxious, crazy stuff. And so I just think sometimes we just need to pray because it's scary, man. I remember I was walking through the mall one time, and once again, it's like, God, stop speaking to me. And, and there was this person walking, and I could tell, like, he had, like, a limp. And it was like the Lord said, go pray for that man. I'm like, I'm trying to get some shoes, and we're in Stone Ridge Mall. Do you want me to just, do I just like go in for the kill? Like, hey, how are you? Can I pray for you? So it's exactly what I did. <laughs> exactly what I did. Hey, how you doing? I know this may sound kind of crazy, but God has not forgot about you. And, and as soon as I opened my mouth, God began to give me some words for them. And we prayed over this man and he's weeping and we're right in front of J.C. Penney's. And <laughs> your greatest moments, your greatest moments are going to consist when you're helping others not miss their moment. But we're going to need boldness in the process, not obnoxiousness, boldness. Sometimes boldness is to be gentle when, you're, when they're being hostile. That's boldness. That's courage. Lastly is this. We've got to be prayerful and we've got to be compassionate. I love what Christine Kane says. She says this. Jot this down if you're taking notes. Compassion is only emotion until you cross the street. It's so easy to avoid people. Oh, but I just have a heart for them. I'm going to pray for them. That's awesome. But how about you cross the street and talk to them? How about you, you know, extend, man, they're, they're in need. Reach out to them. Like what, what, what can you do? Compassion is only emotion until you cross the street. Now, compassion, a lot of times, again, let me break this down. It's not this big moment. Jesus. There was a man in Luke chapter 19 by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a horrific guy. He was like a thug of tax collectors. He, he ran the whole, he was like the tax collector of tax collectors. And people called him a notorious sinner. A notorious. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. He was probably called everything except his name for a very long time. He hurt people. He was a traitor with the Romans. Families were probably excommunicated from their homes and, the, and, their, and, and their, their areas for not having enough money and wealth because they were being robbed. And, and Jesus is passing through this man's city. He's up in a tree trying to take a look at, at, and, get a picture of, and get a picture of the scenery of what's going on. And Jesus walks under that tree, looks up and says, Zacchaeus. Look what he says. He says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Now, the cool thing is, is he knew his name because people aren't a number to Jesus. They have names. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, for I am going to be a guest in your home today. Now, all the people, all the religious people around were like, oh, he's going to his house. Oh, man. And Jesus is like, yep. Sometimes compassion might cost you your reputation. But you know what compassion looked like for this guy? A lunch. A lunch. Zacchaeus, man, I'm, I'm coming to your house today. We're going to eat some food. Zacchaeus came out of that house transformed forever. Giving all his money away. I'm not telling you to give your money away. Relax. <laughs> giving all of his money away. Nobody told him. Jesus didn't tell him to do that. He just says, man, I want to give everything that I've stolen. I want to give it back. I'm give, I want to. I just. I, I. I don't care about any of this stuff anymore because I found. I found, grace. That changed my life, because someone was compassionate enough to have a lunch with me. 
Paul the Apostle, last passage is this. Though I am free, I belong to no one. And he says, but I make myself a slave to everyone. And Jeff, you can come up wherever you're at and play for me. Oh, there you are. He sounds so much more spiritual when he gets on the keys. Um, he said, you'll see it. You'll catch it. He says, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I become all things to all men that I might save some. And I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. You know, my, my, my daughter, I, I asked her this last week. She's transitioning from preschool to grade school. And I said, how was church last week? She's like, well, Dad, I was, I was scared. I was like, why were you scared? She's like, I'm going to a new class. And she said, but I had a great time. I said, well, why? She said, well, Miss Lily, she grabbed me and kind of looked in her eyes and said, it's okay, Olivia. We're going to take good care of you. And if you have any, you know, if you're scared or you're worried or you have anything that you need, I'm here for you. She had a great time. But she just met my daughter where she was at. My daughter's five years old, six years old. She just turned six. <laughs> Crazy. And she just met her where she was at. That's compassion. Changes everything. Paul says, man, whatever I got to do, I got to shave my head, I'll shave my head. I have to put on a suit, I'll put on a suit. I got to wear some Nikes, I'll wear some Nikes. Whatever I can do to reach people and meet them where they're at, I'll do everything short of sin to do that. Why? Because he's moved with compassion. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be a church that's on the move. We need to be a church that's mindful, that's prayerful, and that's compassionate. And I promise you, this message, you may not thought it was for you today, but it's for you. And our greatest moments will consist when we help others not miss their moment. It's so much better to give than to receive. 